because I know that she's cautious around strangers, I do try to go to parks at off-peak times and places that I know don't have tons of people going to them. Join us as we chat to amazing cat explorers and experts, learn from them, listen to their war stories, celebrate their wins, and laugh at the funny moments that have been a part of their journey. Welcome to the Cat Explorer Podcast. I'm Asara. And I'm Daniel. And Happy New Year. I'm not sure about you, but I'm excited for 2021 and putting 2020 behind us. And I'm excited to jump back into Season 8 of the Cat Explorer Podcast. We've got an awesome chat in store for you today. But before we jump in, we'd love to say a big thank you to our amazing Cat Explorer producers, particularly our co-producers, Millie and Kelvin, Barbara Maverick, Ziggy and Charlie, Mac, Luna Misty Blue, Adami, and Roxy the Kitty. Thank you so much. If you would like to support Cat Explorer, you can join the Cat Explorer Press Squad or the Cat Explorer Producers. There's a link for that in your short notes, which you can get to by clicking the episode description on your podcasting app. Today's guest goes cat exploring in the beautiful paradise that is Bermuda. Think coastal hikes, kayaking, paddling, and watching beautiful sunsets. Luna has come so far with her cat exploring and we're super excited to speak to her mum, Katrina. Welcome to the podcast, Katrina. Thank you so much. I'm really happy to be here. I'm very honoured. Oh, that's lovely. We'd love to hear about Luna. How did she come into your life? Well, it's a bit of a long story, but I had a childhood cat who sort of turned up outside during a hurricane and then became an outdoor cat for a good chunk of my childhood. Um, He was an outdoor cat because my mom has quite severe cat allergies. My dad doesn't like cats. Um, And so for like my teenage years, I had sort of been pining away for another cat after he had died. And um, I live in a, a family home. It's three apartments that are can be separate, but right now there's a way to get through all of them. So my dad's dislike of cats had sort of put that off for a long time. Um, And we'd sort of looked into hyperallergenic cats and genetically modified cats. And then over the years, I sort of stumbled upon Russian blues. So then the task was how to sort of get around my dad not wanting to have cats near the property. And um, this is a terrible way, but also a good way. There was a rat problem in the empty lot next door, and they were getting a little bit uh, bold in coming close to the yard. So the pitch was that if there was a cat around, that they would smell it and not come nearby. So... That gave the the A-OK for that. And so then I started looking seriously into getting a cat. I love the pitch. (laughs) (laughs) Got to make it work. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Utilize what you've got available for you. So um, what a lot of people don't know is Luna was born in London and now lives in Bermuda. So do you mind telling us that story of how you found her and what it was like bringing her from London to Bermuda? Sure. So Bermuda doesn't have any rabies, 
So that means that when you're importing pets, you need to import them from very specific locations. So you can import pets from Australia and New Zealand, from the UK, from, I believe, Japan, but nowhere that's actually close to us. And because I do also have some milder cat allergies, um, it needed to be a cat that is low allergen. And Russian blues are not totally hypoallergenic. Most cats are not. But the breed does have the double coat, so less dander is shed, and they have less of a protein in their saliva that people react to. So there's nobody on the island that had that breed or any hypoallergenic breeds of cats. So I started looking around for where I could get a Russian blue. So I was thinking of the cat, probably a kitten, and thinking of what would be the easiest place to come from. That would be a direct flight. And so I thought of the UK and started looking into breeders there. So I found a bunch that I thought were good and relatively safe. So I emailed and then started video chatting with this particular breeder, which is where Luna came from. And she was very, very careful because she had never had any cats leave the UK. So we went through quite an extensive vetting process of many phone calls and video calls, which I'm really glad for. And then my brother, who lives in London, went by and saw this little litter of kittens. And then that's where Luna came from. So the process itself is very nerve-wracking. I've never done it before. And it was a process of shipping a cat, essentially, here. At first, I thought that my brother could bring her as a, I, I guess, baggage as a, I don't, I don't really know. Um, but she couldn't. British Airways doesn't allow that. They have to go in cargo. So it meant that I got a animal courier to collect her from the breeder, take her to the airport, do all the paperwork, arrange all the crate and everything so that she then traveled seven hours in a plane by herself, little baby, um, where I met her. Wow. I just, I did, did want to jump back to something you said about the breeder asking you a lot, lot of questions and going through that vetting process. Mm-hmm. As frustrating as that might have been for you at the time, I think it's a really good sign that, um, they were willing yeah. to go into that level of detail because it shows that they care and they're probably a reputable breeder. So I think if people are thinking of doing the same thing as you did, I think that's probably something that you should be prepared for, but then also understand that it's important that that happens. How was yes. Luna when you landed, like when she landed in Bermuda, how did she find, like, obviously you can't ask she her how she found awesome. the flight. But. She was awesome. The one thing that I really liked about 
British Airways is that they had an attendant in there with the animals. So it was Luna. There were some dogs as well that were on the same flight coming into Bermuda. And they had a person that stayed in that temperature controlled room with them for the entire flight. So you got a report at the end of when they checked on them, when they put water in and all of those things. So just from a logistical point of view, that was really reassuring to me that she wasn't going to be in there by herself, that if something went wrong, that somebody had an eye on her. But she was actually really relaxed. So I was standing there. My mom came with me and we're waiting with our papers to come and collect her. So they brought her crate over, which was a big wooden crate with two metal sides, metal grids, so that you could see her. And she was meowing and coming to the to the sides to say hello and sniffing. And she just seemed good. It was she was really quite relaxed for the length of flight that she'd been on. So can you clarify something because you mentioned before that you used a pet courier but then ultimately mm-hmm. Luna flew on British Airways so how does the what does the pet courier do and how does that um, involve British Airways? The pet courier picks them up from the breeder if you need them to do that and they walk them through all of the airport processes so if you were to fly with your cat I believe that you would need to do all the check-in and then leave them if they were flying cargo in a certain room. And the animal couriers were able to go with her until she actually got onto the plane. So they handled all the paperwork, her pet passport, all of those things I didn't do. Um, they gave me updates along the way to say, okay, we're leaving now, we've arrived at the airport, we've done the check-in, we're waiting in the room, right up until they were boarding, and then they could tell me that they had boarded her and she was then on the flight. Wow, that would have really given you a peace of mind. Do you um do you remember what they were called like what the pet courier was called? And do you know whether they um just specialize in bringing pets into Bermuda or are they more of a global kind of um, company? I believe they're, they were just called animal couriers and they do, I think it's international. Um, A lot of people who, who bring pets into Bermuda have like an, an intermediary person and not necessarily a company. But there also aren't very many cats that get brought in. It's mostly dogs. But I just Googled a few different things once I realized that it was a lot of paperwork for my brother to have to do to not even go with her on the plane. So then I started looking into who did this. And there were quite a few different companies, but that one was pretty all-inclusive. Yeah, to have a um, have someone with them in the cargo as well, that's pretty amazing. Um, in Australia, I know that there's one that's quite popular called Jet Pets. So mm-hmm. that's um, 
they and like especially right now we're recording this in the middle of coronavirus and Melbourne is currently in lockdown which is where Australia's quarantine facilities are for pets coming into Melbourne it's been oh, quite wow. it's been quite a bit of a drama to get pets in and out of Australia at the moment but they've been doing an amazing job so there are organizations like that that you can reach out to and I'm pretty sure like there's ones that are specialists in what countries you need to go to and go around so just do some googling and it will help fill in those gaps and I think also make it less stressful for you because it sounds like the people you use were amazing Katrina they were really really good it was great but sitting in there with them that was just something that British Airways does that wasn't the animal couriers that was just one of the services that they have for pets so having arrived on plane you could say that Luna had a very first cat exploring adventure she very, really did. From the very get-go. Can you talk us a, a bit more about the types of adventures she has apart from flying on a plane? <laughs> She's flown on a plane without me. We haven't traveled together yet, but hopefully one day once all of the COVID stuff is passed. Um, but we do a lot of exploring in parks, coastal walks. Um, we have quite a big yard that has a dock and is right on the water. So we spend a lot of time exploring at home. We do lots of water adventures. There's not really hiking here because we are, Bermuda is really, really small. It's only 21 square miles. There's 60,000 people. There's no mountains. There's, you know, so the typical hikes, aren't something that you can do. So lots of small adventures and some indoor adventures too. To be honest, I think a lot of the walks you do are a hike for some people. So (laughs) (laughs) maybe (laughs) it's the way you see it. So let's chat about strangers while you're cat exploring. How does Luna react when you see people while you're out and about? Luna does not like strangers at all. I like to say that she's brave in nature because she's pretty bold around natural things in the environment like the trees and the lizards and the water all of those things she's pretty confident with but she's really scared when it comes to strangers she wasn't as a very small kitten which is interesting she was a bit cautious but she wasn't scared of them But I think that as she started discovering who her humans were, then she started becoming more and more wary of outside humans, you know? So she, if we see strangers coming along the trail, there's a few different ways that she will react. Sometimes she will see them coming and decide she wants to turn around and run the other way. Sometimes she will just sort of pancake in the grass and hope that they just pass her by. And sometimes she will hop back into her backpack. So it sort of depends how she's feeling. And I don't know how she decides which strangers are okay and which ones are not. But she's got her own little thing system going. And sometimes she's like, nope, we're going the other way. And I have to sort of scoop her up and calm her down. Um, It's something that we were working on a lot before COVID. And we were getting to the point where it was 
mostly pancake or sometimes just sort of creeping by other people. But we've gone backwards a bit now just because of quarantine. So pre-COVID, you mentioned you were working on it. How does that look? Because I know that she's cautious around strangers, I do try to go to parks at off-peak times and places that I know don't have tons of people going to them. But what I was starting to do was going at not super busy times, but going to familiar places to her at times where there would be a few more people and a little bit more traffic. And then when we would encounter people, I would give her treats or crouch down next to her to sort of stop her from running, give her some pats and encouragement as well so that she knew that it was okay. And people have lots of questions when you're walking around with a cat, especially here, it's really uncommon. So um, just sometimes she would perch on my shoulder and see these people and talk to them from a little bit of a distance. And I was really pleased with that because she'd come a really long way. And I just don't want her to be terrified. I think it's okay if she never likes strangers. Um, I just want to make it so that she's cautious and not scared. So now fast forward a little bit and post, well, during COVID, you said that there's been a bit of a setback. Now, we think mm-hmm. the same would we think the same would happen. It has happened with Lumos and Noxy, our two cats, because they haven't been able to get out as much. So how have you thought about how to improve things once we can all go cat exploring like we used to? Well, things here are pretty open now because we don't have that many cases at the moment. I think it's under five cases. So it's pretty much business as usual with masks and a little bit of distancing, though people are not very good at that part yet. So we are starting to go out and about. I think the downside of being in quarantine for a while is that People are flocking to the parks and it's way more crowded than I've ever known it to be. So that makes it a little bit of of a stressor and Luna's more likely to try to do the retreat than to do the pancake or to to do the creep by that she sometimes would do. So um, one of the things that we've been doing is having more people over to the house I'm an introvert myself, and I don't know about you guys, but I don't have people over all the time. I know some people are with their friends every day, but that's not really me. So most of the time, it's me and my immediate family that she sees and that she's used to. Um, So we've been having a few more people over, and she's been really good with that, actually. She hasn't been like running from people. She never really runs in the house. She sort of does like a creep by to see if they notice her and then retreats and then creeps again. <laughs> does a little a little walk by to to see how things are going. But we've been having more people around and she's been really good. She's done her clicker training with people around and accepted some pats and things like that. So I think that's a good step. We've also seen our neighbors way more than we normally do throughout lockdown and now that we're sort of back out. 
just because everybody was in their own in their yards trying to be out as much as possible and get some fresh air when they were restricted so she's seen a lot more people and gotten more comfortable with people in her space at home so hopefully as we keep going things will get better on the trail as well it's so awesome that she's doing well with people coming over because I know on a personal level with Lumos and Noxy, like I, we, like we've had an increase in cases recently. So we're in August 2020 here in Sydney. So we're just back to doing um, little walks around the block and things like that. And I've noticed that they definitely aren't as confident as they used to be. And I think on our personal level, we've realised that once we can start going back to going to places like markets and things that we used to do with them, we probably will have to work our way back up to that because they just haven't been around people for so long. They haven't been around crowds for so long. It will just take some time. and Yeah, it's taking some yeah. time for me as well. Yeah, exactly. Because I've been by myself. I've been only seeing like the same three or four people for months and months you know, so I think that for me as well, when I go out and there's a whole crowd of people, I'm automatically saying, oh, no, let's let's go somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, I think that's that's a great way to put it, actually. Like we just all need to just be a bit patient. Yeah, as we start getting back to it. And I know we've all got the memories of our cats doing what they did before COVID, but we just need to be a bit patient and understand that it might just take them some time. I think all the time with cats, we need to be patient. But I think this is something that for us, we just go back to normal. And I think it's harder for them. So most cats aren't fans of car rides, how to included. And our understanding is that Luna was like that. How did she react? How did she used to react to being in the car? I think more so than the car ride itself, she doesn't like being restricted. So most of the time when we're exploring, it's just the two of us. So when we go in the car, we started off slow with just sit in the car and get used to the smells and have some treats and hear the engine on and all of those things she was fine with. It was more so when I said, okay, you can't walk around in here because she really likes just wandering around the car. And obviously that's not really safe when it's just me driving and a cat wandering all over the place. So I have her in her backpack with it most of the time zipped up and she would meow, 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 meow forever and sometimes scratch at it to try to get out. So that wasn't ideal. So that does sound like it's um yeah, a handful for you. Now, has she changed much at all since then? Oh yeah, she's really gotten used to being in the car. She knows now that we're going somewhere and that it's likely that we're going somewhere for her you know so she is okay for the most part to stay in her backpack and to look out the windows and um, she knows that we're going to go somewhere fun and do something exciting and go to explore 
So if it's been a long time since we've been in the car, she might meow for a, a bit, but then she normally settles down. And if we've been in the car, even like once every couple of weeks or once a month, then she just sort of gets in and sits down and waits to see where we're going to go. Wow. So that's a pretty big change from what she was before to now. Did you do anything to help her get settled and make that change happen? I think most of it was just really practice and experience. I do tell her that we're where we're going <laughs> when I leave. It seems silly, but I'm I'm always talking to Luna. I'm always telling her, oh, we're going on an adventure now. We're going to explore this place and you've been there before and you're going to have so much fun. So I sort of just yammer away and chat to her about what we're going to be doing. But I think that it's just learning the routine of it that was the biggest part. I also think that in the beginning, I was really worried that she was meowing for a reason, like she was squished or she needed her litter box or she was hurt or something like that. So I would stop a lot and check on her and then she'd be like, oh, yay, I'm free. Let me wander around the car. So <laughs> I stopped doing that because I can see in, I can see that she's okay. And I know that she doesn't need to go to the litter box in a short drive. As I said, Bermuda is really, really small. So we're very rarely driving for more than half an hour. So I know that she can wait that long if she needs the bathroom. So I think she sort of got used to me saying, I know you want to come out, but you're going to stay there for a while until we get to whatever place we're exploring. Wow, that's just incredible. Like, um, as Daniel mentioned, we've had our challenges in the car. I think um, our Noxie isn't a huge fan. So the way we currently travel is that Lumos and Noxie have a big crate that they share in the um, backseat of the car. And I think what's actually happened is that they, Lumos is, he, he doesn't quite understand the concept of personal space. <laughs> so he will cuddle Noxie everywhere and she's a bit more independent and she gets a bit like some of the rides drives we've done are like 12 hours long. So oh, that's wow. a lot of time. Like we'll take breaks in between and give them breaks too, but that's a lot of time to be snuggled up to your drooling. She probably thinks smelly <laughs> brother. So um, we've now just invested in getting two carriers that have been crash tested and we're going to see how that goes in terms of separating them. The carriers are oh, a lot. That's really cool. Yeah, it's a, like they I really like the idea that they've been crash tested, but they're also a lot smaller than what they're used to. So Lumos is hanging out in the carriers at home. We're doing a bit of um, positive reinforcement with the carriers at home before we put them in the car. But I'm really hoping that will help because we've had times where we've had to wait an hour for Noxie to calm down so that we can put her in that big carrier because she just didn't want to be in there Aww. with Lumos. So yeah. I think if, if you, if anyone is struggling with their cat in the car, maybe just take a step back and think about why they might, why you might be struggling. Is it because they just, um, they're anxious about being in the actual car or is it the carrier that you're using or is it, they just don't know where they're going. They associate it with the vet. And it, you need to do some more positive reinforcement. So um, I think it's just, it's a, being in the car for a lot of 
cat owners is frustrating, but I think once you break it down a little bit, you can find different types of solutions there. Yes, I think for Luna, it was also helpful that we weren't always going to the vet or sometimes we would be just stopping by the vet and walking in to have some treats and then go and go to wherever else we were going so that it wasn't a traumatic experience, that it's almost always something fun, except for the vaccinations that, you know, (laughs) can't always be fun, but most of the time it's somewhere exciting for her that we're going. Speaking of excitement and fun, living in Bermuda, you're surrounded by beautiful water. So can you tell us about the type of cat exploring that Luna does on the water? We do quite a lot. I think that I'm very lucky in where I live because it is right on the coast. We have access to the water 24-7. So when we were first beginning and exploring the yard, part of that included going next to the water. And that was when I discovered that Luna wasn't scared of the water like I kind of expected her to be, that she would walk right up to it and dip her paws into it and things like that. So We do lots of walking along the coast, sometimes in parks, sometimes just the rocks that are near the house because you can walk along the rocks for quite a while. We do kayaking, we do boogie boarding, where she stands on it and I am her chauffeur. Um, (laughs) She does a little bit of swimming sometimes. And this summer we've just learned how to do stand-up paddle boarding. I think she's way better than me in the water. I just realized that. (laughs) (laughs) I think she is used to it in the same way that I grew up with the water. So it's natural to me. And I think it's the same way for her. It's always been something that she's seen. And of course, if she wasn't curious about it, I wouldn't have forced her to do it. But um, she doesn't really like being left behind, especially if she sees that I'm going into the yard. So most of the time, if I'm going into the yard without her, then it would be something for the water. So I said, well, let's let's see how she does. Yeah, you mentioned that you had some the right ingredients for making this work, which is, you know, she was curious about it and you lived and grew up by the water. So you're very comfortable with it. Which is yes. great. Let's start with one of the activities you mentioned, which is kayaking. How did you train Luna to do kayaking? Really, she didn't need that much training because her curiosity kicked in. So she'd seen the kayaks, she'd sort of walked on them a few times, and I thought, well, let me just put her in one and see what she does. So we got into the kayak and I thought that we would just float there and then get out, but she was okay. And she was sniffing around and walking around the kayak and wasn't trying to get back onto the dock. So I said, okay, well, let me just do a little paddle in a circle and see how she does with this part. And She was totally fine with it. So we ended up kayaking to these islands that are across the harbor from my house. And 
she made it all the way across. She was happy. And so we just went from there. In the kayak, does she sit in your lap or does she sit on, you know, the the front of the kayak or what does she do? She very, very, very rarely sits still, <laughs> I think, ever. She's got two speeds, go or off. <laughs> so if she's not sleeping, she's pretty much doing something, even in the kayak. So she would walk to the front, walk to the back sort of crawl underneath where my feet are because it's a sit-in kayak that we have. Um, Sometimes if a boat goes by, she'll hop back into her backpack. Typically I'm wearing the backpack and she just sort of wanders around. And if she doesn't like something, she gets back in. And if she's curious of something, she hops back out and does some more wandering around the kayak. That's so awesome. I just had a thought that just crossed my mind. And this could be, this Daniel and I didn't grow up on the water. So it could just be our really bad skills on the water. <laughs> what would you do if the kayak tipped? Or, um, oh, gosh, what's the word I'm trying to think of? Um, Capsized? Yes, yes. Um, well, I think that the first thing would be to get her and the next thing would be to get the kayak. She does wear her life jacket most of the time. There have been a couple of occasions where I've forgotten it or where she's like hopped back into her backpack when I've had it off after stopping somewhere else. But I think that's part of the reason that I was really curious to know if she could swim living on the water. I think that's really important to know that she could get to safety if she fell in um but that's also why she's never uh, tethered to her backpack when she's in the kayak she needs to be able to get out if she needs to so typically she's got a short like three foot leash that's just sort of dangling and she takes carries it behind her as she walks around. So I think that if we were to capsize, then I would just turn it over and get back in and put her back in. So you mentioned swimming, and we love the idea that Luna can go swimming. Was this that mm-hmm. something she did on her own due to her curiosity, or was it something that you trained her to do? It was something that she did on her own. The first time was last summer. And so close to this time last year, we were, she was boogie boarding. And when she's on there, again, she walks around, she does a lot of sniffing the air, looking at what's in the water. Um, And she kept looking like she wanted to get in. So I said, well, let's see what she does. So I held her in my arms and then just sort of lowered her a little bit so that her legs went in. And she just paddled away, paddled, paddled. And she was not interested in staying with me at all. She was like, why aren't I going anywhere? And she just paddled away. So I just let her go and saw what she would do. So then she swam back to the dock and shook off a bit and then got back on the boogie board. And then we did it a few more times. Wow. I'm impressed and jealous. (laughs) I'm impressed too. But from what I hear, most cats 
can swim, whether they like to or not is a different story. But yeah, for me, it was a lot of peace of mind to see what a strong swimmer she was. I didn't have to teach her to paddle. I didn't have to teach her to keep her head out of the water. She just did it. That's so interesting. So then when you're just normally cat exploring on land and you happen to go by the water, do you find that she wants to get in the water then? It depends. I think that she tends to want to go somewhere rather than just swim for fun, which is why, like, she doesn't love the bath. She'll stay in the bathtub, but she doesn't love just sitting in water. I guess in the same way, she doesn't really love puddles, but she'll go through a puddle if there's something that she wants to get. So if there's something in the water that she's curious about, then she will wade in. Um, But she doesn't often like jump in and just try to swim. It's more, there's been quite a few times where we're on the kayak and she'll decide that she's going to go and check out somebody's boat. So she'll jump off and start swimming towards a boat and I'll have to go and scoop her out and tell her it's not her yard because she doesn't know boat. That's just my, what we say. It's not your yard. You can't go there. Um, and yeah, so if there's something she wants to get to, she'll swim. So you previously mentioned the boogie board. Now, did you train Luna if at all, uh, to use the boogie board? And was it any different to the kayaking experiences? I think that the board took a little bit more training for her to trust. The kayak is really big. There were parts that she could go inside of to get some shelter. I was also inside of it, so I think she felt secure in that. But with the board, she's on you know, a fairly unstable piece of small piece of foam and I'm not on it. So I'm always in the water with her and we did test it on land first. She walked on and off it, realized that it wasn't dangerous. And so then the next time we were in the water, I just picked her up and put her on it, gave her some treats and she wandered around and I would sort of walk around and take her and show her something in the water that she'd be interested in. So we did that a few times. Luna's very independent. So if she's not having it, she will make it very clear. And sometimes she would be like, I'm not doing this. I'm going swimming and I'm going to the dock to play there. And sometimes she would say that she didn't want to get in at all, which is okay because I want it to be fun for her but I think she also knows that when we're going on the board we're going somewhere but it's not usually somewhere she can get off so sometimes I'll just go and sort of swim around a bit in the harbor and tow her and she's okay with that most of the time and if she's not feeling it she starts meowing and then I'll take her back. I like how you've catered to Luna and her her experience because yeah, that's very important, like you said, to make sure that she's enjoying it. And if she doesn't like it, she'll tell you. And yeah, that's that's it. So we try these new types of cat exploring adventures. Now, obviously, you've sort of used her cues as one way to understand what her limits are. 
how do you how do you think about and how do you approach pushing these limits or pushing her into new types of adventures? I do think that she needs to be pushed. I don't know if all cats do, but I think that Luna does because I think she's quite human like in a lot of ways. I think that she's human-like, but she's also very tied into her natural instincts. So I think that's why she's afraid of strangers. There's really big people coming at her quickly, and she wants to retreat from them. Or there's a lizard in the tree that she really wants to go and, and, oh, Luna's talking to me. That she really wants to go and find. But I think also she she is independent. She wants to be the leader. And sometimes she just wants to do things her own way. But that's not always healthy, right? In the same way as humans, if you're scared of heights, Does that mean you're never going to go to the third, fourth, fifth story of a building for work? Sometimes you need to just push yourself a little bit to see that it's actually okay and that you can overcome that apprehension. And I don't mean to say that cats should be forced to do something that scares them. I don't believe that at all. But I think that Once you know your cat and you can read their body language, it becomes easier to tell. Are they actually scared? Are they a little bit apprehensive? Or do they just want to do their own thing? And with Luna, a good chunk of the time, she just wants to do her own thing. I'll say, oh, we're going this way. And she'll be like, no, I want to go this way. And so once you know... You can say, okay, you don't really love being in this place close to those people that are 10 feet away, but we're just going to walk by them and it will be okay. And I think that's how you learn as a human and as a cat. I think that's how you learn by just carefully nudging at the boundaries until it becomes more comfortable. You make some great points there. And I think... Like you said, you've got to strike that balance. There's never going to be entirely, you know, 100% safe way to do everything. Like you, if you have a fear of heights, you have to, at some point, be in a building that's probably more than one story high. So there's got to be some parameters and some ways to do it that will still make you as comfortable as you can be. And to, Exactly. Like, and in terms of a person, like, that looks different to everybody. Like some people may be okay with going up into a second, third, fourth story of the building as long as they're not right close to the edge, whereas some other people need different ways to cope with that. But it's also about, you know, trying to find that balance and trying to find what is it that can be done safely and can be done in a manner that is pushing the boundaries and allowing them to grow but without necessarily put them in harm's way or forcing them into situations where they're un- they're really uncomfortable and going to cause problems. Yes. I think sometimes when animals are scared, it can become more dangerous. 
you know? So I never want to be in a position where Luna is unsafe over something that I could have worked on, you know? So with her fear of strangers, she doesn't love strangers, but I think that it's important to work on that so that if she ever is in a position that she won't bolt, that she will do something that is a safer way, even if she doesn't love it. Now, I want to touch on an experience you've had while cat exploring, which is regarding Luna and having a topical allergic reaction. Can you explain what happened and what you do now to ensure it doesn't happen again? Yes. So Luna is, I think, like most cats, very curious. She does a lot of sniffing around. There can be one bush or tree that captures her attention for a very long time. So when we're exploring, she does a lot of sniffing and sticking her head into things, um, especially if there are lizards around because she loves to chase lizards. So I don't exactly know what she put her head into because it happens a lot of times when we're out exploring, but there was something that caused an allergic reaction. She started getting some little red bumps inside her ears and in that, you know, that the place that is sparse, has sparse fur above the eyes. So sort of underneath there and into her ears started getting this uh, red rash. When we went to the vet, uh, they thought that it was an allergic reaction to something that she had touched. They were fairly certain that it wasn't something that she'd ingested. Um, and what they recommended was just wiping her face with water after every time we're exploring. So that's something that we do now. We had already been, I'd already washed her paws every time we came in, just in case she'd stepped on any pesticides or something that would, I don't know, be damaging to her. So that was already a part of her routine when she came in and took her harness off to wipe her paws. And now we just make sure to wipe her face as well. So the vet didn't recommend using actual wipes because that could dry out the skin. The fur is so thin in that area. She just recommended a cloth with water. So I... We'll just wet down a cloth and she knows the drill. I tell her to wash her face and she will wipe her face on the cloth and I'll ask for her paws and we'll wash her paws and she gets a treat afterwards for being very good about that because she doesn't love her back paws being washed, but she tolerates it. And we haven't had any problems with that since. It's very, I suppose, natural for cats to stick their faces in everything. So Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I can understand where that may have come from and how that may have risen. And I think it's a great tip that you gave in terms of washing down the face as well as the paws and just doing that after the cat exploring adventures because yeah, you don't know what you encounter out there. And like we've all seen with our cats, they stick their faces in everything. Yes. I don't know why it never occurred to me before. I'd only ever really thought about the paws because of where she's stepping, but she really does have her face in a lot of different trees and bushes. So I want to talk about cat exploring with your family. 
So that you've got a story about where you, Luna went cake exploring for the first time with someone from your family. Can you tell us about that? <laughs> sure. So as I said, most of the time we're on our own, just the two of us. But this time I had um, brought my sister with me and we'd gone to a fort that is close to our house. And up at the, until this point, Luna was still a kitten. She was fairly sedate as she was walking around. She would just have a little walk and a wander and, and um, just go where we were going quite happily and calmly. But on this particular occasion, she had a little case of the zoomies and did some little bunny jumps up a little tree and telephone pole and the leash popped out of my hand. And because it was normally just the two of us, I had all of my attention on Luna. But this time I was chatting with my sister and I was distracted. So the leash popped out and I totally panicked. I was like, oh my gosh, I've got to go and get Luna. So I'm like running after her, which I know you shouldn't do, but I ran after her to try to grab the leash. And she thought it was great fun and started running around and jumping and rebounding off of trees. And I'm like scrambling on my hands and knees trying to grab the end of the leash. <laughs> my sister just sort of walked around the other way and picked up the leash and it was all good. So <laughs> it was a sort of two opposite ways, me in full panic and my sister just being like, oh, yeah, let me get this leash. Um, but that was the, the beginning of Luna's more spontaneous <laughs> side during adventures. It's interesting, though, that you mentioned that because usually when I go cat exploring, it's Daniel and I with our cats, but occasionally I've done it with friends and usually when we do it with friends, we're catching up with them, we're chatting with them. Um, yeah, I find my attention's probably not on the cats as much as they normally would be. And in those situations, if something, ha like I one situation was that Lumos and Noxie decided to jump into the same backpack while I was chatting to my friend. And of course, <laughs> Noxie got annoyed at Lumos because she was like, this is my personal space. And then they end up having a little fight in their backpack. And I just remember the look of horror on my friend's face. And I was just like, yeah, this happens a lot at home. So just dealing with it. But I think had I been paying attention to them more like I normally would, I that I would have made sure that Lumos's backpack was nearby and they wouldn't have had that fight. So I think it's always interesting when you go cat exploring with people that you don't normally go with because you end up having those situations like that. And I and yes. I don't actually know what the solution is because I've I've Every time I go cat exploring with a friend, I know that I'm not fully paying attention like I normally would be. So, and I, I suppose one solution is not to go cat exploring with friends, but then you only have a but limited amount of time. It's also good for the cats. It's good for the cats to get to know other people as well. Um, I don't really know a solution either, but I think that I've been working a little bit on things like recall and getting her attention through clicker training so I think things like that will always help as the cats know the routine so that if something unpredictable happens that at least they probably won't get up to too much mischief 
I suppose one thing you can all do is just get the other person to help keep an eye on them. So just get them to, you know, watch what they're doing and you know, grab the leash if anything does happen. And which is what your sister did at the end of the day. Yes. Now I want to move on to the summer that you went away for a month and you came back, and then there ended up being a period of readjustment with you and Luna. Do you mind sharing about that and how, what happened there? Sure. So this was last summer, last July. I Luna had been home for not maybe six, seven months at that point, and I had already been planning an African safari. So from before she was even born. So. I didn't really want to cancel it and decided to go. And she stayed in the same house because, as I said before, it's the connected apartments. My family's in the other sections. And we thought that would be okay. Um, Luna's not great at recognizing people on video calls. She's great at seeing fish and games and squirrels when it's cat TV, but she's not that good at at seeing people. She just goes to the door. So we tried before I left, like me calling a few times and saying hi to her, but she every time would just go to the door searching for me and would get upset that I wasn't there. So after like a lot of back and forth, we decided that I wasn't going to like call just to talk to Luna while I was away. So it was a full month of me not being in contact with her. And my family did still take her out in the yard. She still did go for walks, not as much as she does with me, but she still did go out and she still went in her backpack and all of those things. But when I got back, she was really disconnected. And in one of the other podcasts, you I know you were talking about attachment, um, types of attachment. And normally she is the secure attachment of come and get her pats and talk to me. And then off she goes to do something else. And for about a week after I came back, she just was sort of spaced out. She would acknowledge that I was there and she still wanted to come and like sleep next to me, but she wasn't meowing like she normally was. She wasn't like coming to me if she needed something. Um, if I came back in after being out, she would just sort of stare at me for ages so that was, I think, hard on on both of us. From a cat exploring perspective, she was still okay. We started going mostly in the yard so that she could get used to me again. And I'm a lot stricter with her than my mom and my sister. So she had to get used to like following my commands again and not just going wherever she wanted. Um, but that part was was okay. It was just more our relationship in general of her coming to depend on me again 
and trusting that when I left, I was going to come back. So that took some time for her to to adjust to about a week. And after about a week of me being back, then she was pretty much back to normal. I do have to commend your family for continuing to go cat exploring with her because I know that I've spoken to members of our community who have had to go away for a month and they haven't been able to find anyone to take her cat, take their cat cat exploring. Um, it's, mm-hmm. I think that's great. And then it's it's interesting how to deal with separation anxiety because realistically we can't take our cats everywhere. Like for some reason sometimes you have to travel for work or um, like in a situation that we're, Daniel and I are currently trying to figure out is that we'll in, in October we'll be in hospital for seven days we can't take mm-hmm. our cats to hospital. So <laughs> it's it's just trying to understand what you can do to make it a bit easier on them for that kind of separation anxiety. So like one of the things that we've been working on is we've got a we've got three different groups of pe- um like couples who will be coming in and checking on them and they'll be doing some clicker training or they'll be doing some puzzle toys or something like that. But I am curious to see how like Seven days is not a month, but I'm curious to see how Lumos and Noxie will handle it. Yeah, it yeah. still is a long time, so it's hard to tell what they'll do. But I think that I, if I go away again without her, which I'm sure I will at some point, I would still call her. I think that might not have been the best choice, that even though she would have been upset and searching for me, she still also would have known that I was checking on her, mm. you know? Yeah, that makes sense. Um, And I think it's, like, I don't think Lumos and Oxy understand video calls, but they, under, like, Lumos particularly understands that Daniel is in the phone. So whenever Daniel travels for work and calls, he will, tr- Lumos will try and get Daniel out of the phone. Oh, and, that's um, so cute. Not cute, though, because he ended up breaking the screen, but <laughs> <laughs> I think they might not recognize our faces on the phone, but they might recognize our voices. And Yeah. Yeah. Luna recognizes the voices. She just goes automatically to the door. So she doesn't see my face in the phone. She just will go to the door and meow at the door, wondering when I'm going to come back in. And we did test that a couple of times. And one time she sat at the door for 20 minutes waiting for me to come in it, you know. But I still think that would be better than, like, going cold turkey. Was there anything you did in particular to build that relationship back up? Um, I think we just did the normal things. I went at her pace, but I still offered clicker training. I still offered the treats. I still became the person that was taking her out exploring. And I think the more that things were back to our typical routine, the more she realized that I, I wasn't going anywhere. Yeah, that's a great way to ease yourself back in. And um, I just had two other ideas of ways people can help with separation anxiety. Um, one that we use sometimes is that we'll just have a jumper that we've worn recently just hanging around the house or somewhere um, that so the cats can still smell us. And then another one that our vet has given us is an anti-anxiety um, 
aid. It's not a pill. It's like an aid. Um, we don't we like over time your cats do build resistance to it, so we try not to use it too much. But if I know, for example, Daniel's going away for a week, and Lumos really struggles with separation anxiety, we will use that as well. So maybe if people are interested in that, that's something to talk to your vet about. And those are great ideas. So Katrina, we're coming up towards the end of the podcast, but before we let you go, we're going to ask you our final four questions, which we ask all our guests. With the first question being, what is one piece of advice you would give to new cat explorers? I think I would say just get to know your cat really well, because the more you know them, the more you can do. You can understand where to nudge the boundaries. You can figure out what they like and what they don't like and just as you're figuring them out and learning your cat just be patient and try new things and see how they take it because you'll understand when it's too much and when it's okay when you really know their body language and their personality well what's been the most entertaining comment someone said to you while you've been out and about with luna I think that we've heard tons of, is that a cat? But probably the strangest one is when somebody said, I like your tiny dog. And Luna was in full sight. She wasn't in the bushes. She wasn't in the backpack. She was just walking around. And I think it was very clear that she's not a dog. But the person just said, I like your tiny dog. And then just sort of stared at her for a while before they turned and walked away. (laughs) (laughs) which cat explorers inspire you there are so many and as I was thinking about this I thought I would sort of go a different tack on that and not necessarily focus on the people who have beautiful pictures although a lot of the people on my list do but Luna is a really independent and spicy and personable cat and I find that a lot of people I talk to on social media feel like if you don't have a super calm laid-back cat that you can't go exploring so I when I was thinking of people that inspire me I was thinking about the cats that have sort of overcome fears or who might not be like a typical cat but still are really awesome cat explorers so on my list I have Hokulea the surfing cat and I find him really inspirational for his water activities but also because he's scared of strangers like Luna is but can still go out and do all of those awesome things so I find that really really inspiring also Roxy the kitty who you guys have had on on the podcast how she has become so much bolder over the years and the things that she does now are really cool all of her hiking and and all of that and in the same way Bodhi has also overcome a lot of fears so I think that if you're a person that's listening that thinks oh, well, my cat's a scaredy cat, they can't explore. Those are three really good examples of 
cats to say that, yes, you can, even if they're scared, they might not be scared of everything and they can still be good explorers. And if I'm thinking of other spicy cats, like Luna can have a lot of catitude sometimes. Um, I like to see what, um, what's his, I can't remember his whole thing, but Basil, I'm sure you, you know, Basil. Yes. Um, Basil on the go. That might be wrong. Basil goes. Oh. Basil goes. That's oh, what it yeah. is. Thank yeah. you. But Basil is full of personality and he is independent and has his own mind like Luna. So I think that's really fun to see that you can be a quirky cat and still be a really great explorer. And also um, Bryson. Bryson is also a really awesome water cat and lake explorer. And he also is independent and has his own mind. It might be a little bit stubborn like Luna, but he can do some really amazing things. So that was just my take on things. There's so many others with really awesome photos as well. But I just wanted to make it clear that you don't need to have a perfectly placid cat to be a cat explorer. That's some great points there. And I love how you termed it spicy cat. (laughs) (laughs) Final question. What product, service or program has been a game changer for Luna? I think probably there's a few things that have worked a lot. If you're going to talk about exploring, then a backpack, I think, has made a really big difference. It's allowed us to go into places with bigger crowds and to have her feel comfortable, like we've been inside the airport with lots of people around us, not to go anywhere, but to like pick people up. And inside her backpack, she's been totally calm, looking around, even with the crowd. So I think that's been really amazing. And I think that a retractable leash worked really well for Luna. When she just had her regular fabric leash, she would tend to try to pull me in her own direction and do her own thing. But with a retractable, I'll start walking and she's like, oh, I guess I'll follow you then for some of the time at least. So that really made a difference in her speed of walking. And treats, lots of treats that she likes and will eat, but Inaba Churu is the holy grail of treats. She will do almost anything for Churu. So I think finding that made it really great for exploring as well. That's so awesome. And we've just... um because for some reason they never sold them here in Australia until like the last few months. So um, I was very excited to go get a whole heap for Lumos and Noxie and see how they oh, go. They're so good. We yeah. only, we only get the small packs of them. So I end up ordering them on Amazon. You can get a big uh, jar of 50 tubes of churu. So I just order them and, and bring them in rather than trying to get like the packs of six. I've only seen the packs of six here, so I'll have to do some Googling then. Yes, look for the 50 tube. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, Katrina, we've loved hearing all about Luna and you. Thank you so much for joining us. Where can we find you and Luna online? 
We are just at Instagram and her handle is at Luna underscore Misty underscore Blue. So that everyone can find all the information from today and the links. We'll put a copy of the links and the summary of today's conversation in the show notes. Just go to the episode description on your podcasting app and it will be there. I'd love to hear your thoughts about today's episode, and I know Katrina would too. To share them on social media, tag us at catexplorer.community and Katrina and Luna at Luna underscore Misty underscore Blue. We often get asked how you can support Cat Explorer. We're a little tiny team and appreciate all the support you give us. From sharing about this podcast with your friends, family, followers, and maybe even the person next to you on the bus, to liking, commenting, and sharing our social media posts, to join in the Cat Explorer Purse Squad. Every little bit helps us so much and we're so grateful. Thank you so much for listening today. That's it for today. Until next time, enjoy giving your kitty the world.